Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back, and it's great to be back. The interdimensional time lords that have just returned me to this plane of existence after weeks of ecstatic interplanetary apotheosis have promised they won't do so again without warning. But can I trust them? I've got a great show for you. I'm glad to have been joined by Sharif Clark and Michael Simon, who returned for a roundtable of angelic proportions. We did have some technical difficulties, and Mike's sound dropped out here and there. I cleaned it up where I could, and I hope you can still catch the flow of the conversation. We jumped right into it with no introduction from me. In medias res, as they say. So that being said, let's fly. Who's in there, but like... <laughs> That's cool, man. We got another guest. Yeah. Nice. Continue. Three magicians and a baby. <laughs> so... Uh... <laughs> so I had to go to... a. Uh... I had to go to the cemetery for nine consecutive days. And the first time, the first time that I went, I went to the cemetery near my parents' house and I was walking around. I was walking like along like this road that kind of just takes you to different parts of the cemetery. And I, I saw like this little patch of dirt and I was like, all right, that's where I'm going to get my, my dirt from. And I'd bend down to pick up the dirt and I look up and maybe about like 10, 15 feet away from me is a headstone with my last name on it that I didn't even see. So I was like, all right, it's on, you know? I love so, that shit, man. I <laughs> work. You know, so I grabbed the dirt, and then the next day I went to a different cemetery. I had the same thing, walking along, just trying to find my way. Spotted spot a headstone with my last name on it. I grabbed some dirt from it. Not from the head, from the actual grave, but from the, from the cemetery itself. Right. Uh, I'll hold up. So you know, I I do that. You know, seven more. You know, seven more nights on the sixth night. Check this shit out. On the sixth night. Oh, also before I grab the dirt, I recite Psalm ninety-one. You know, big big protection song. So on the sixth night, I'm driving, looking for a cemetery because I, I had to go run some errands and I wasn't in my, in my neighborhood. So I was in a different neighborhood. I'm looking for a cemetery. I looked that shit up on Google maps, drive towards it, drive past it by accident. So I'm about to like circle back so I could get back to the um, cemetery. And my car got hit by some dude on a, on a, on a moped. And I'm low key panicking because my insurance lapsed in may oh, shit. so i'm driving around with no insurance this dude t-bones my car i parked the car so i can go see if he was okay because he's on a fucking moped and he nice. just speeds off he just gets back on his moped and he speeds off and i'm like yo that could have went way worse like that yeah. i could have got 
Like, I didn't get physically harmed or nothing. My car is dented and damaged, you know. But he, he could have been like, fine enough to drive away. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, but who was you know, the, but exactly. You know, and the fact that like there was no let's let's bring let's get insurance involved. That like I just felt like yo, that I, I was protected, you know. And then of course, like the last day of the right, I fucking reinstate my my insurance because <laughs> right. I spent like I spent like three more days driving around. I'm like yo, I can't do this. Um, yo, what color? What color was the moped and what color is your car? I, I drive a black I drive a black 2019 Nissan Altima. And the moped was like <laughs> the moped was like it was like red and yellow or some shit like that. <laughs> Man, that's the same car that I drove when I got hit from behind. Oh uh, when I was in Arizona. Oh. And the insurance settlement is what I bought this van and the podcast gear with. Wow yeah wow yeah bro it was it was nuts man i, I mean, was like i guess the right. nissan ultima is kind of common but i don't know it was black <laughs> yeah. i mean what are the odds you know but but yeah man it was it was dope and then the last day i went and got my shit i i i, I had scoped out a um i scoped out a crossroad to do the ritual lap but i so there was some drama that was going on so i couldn't really i couldn't make it to the crossroads in time so i, I had to do the the actual ritual in my um in my apartment and the per- the person who runs the course they gave instructions on how to do the ritual if you're going to do it indoors uh so i followed the instructions and then i said fuck it you know i'm going to take the all of the material i'm going to leave that shit in the middle of a crossroads you know near my crib so i stepped outside walked to the crossroads dropped all the stuff off in the middle of the crossroads, turned, walked away. The next day I wake up to a rant. Like I, I, I petitioned for a lot of stuff, mostly like financial support, whatever. But, um, I, you know, some, I petitioned, you know, for some ancestral stuff and some roads to be made open, uh, with regards to gaining full access to the ancestral traditions that I belong to and, you know, some financial protection stuff and, whatever the next day i wake up to a uh a cash app notification somebody who typically borrows money from me and never pays me back they sent me 75 dollars and they sent me another 25 dollars off the like out of the blue like i ended up booking a tarot client that night so i made even more money the next day i had a friend of mine refer me to their best friend and their best friend booked a reading with me so like within like 24 hours, less than 24 hours of me doing that ritual. Like I got a little bit of cash to kind of keep me afloat until, you know, payday and stuff. So I was like, all right, this shit's working. I also got like a very strong, um, it was interesting. I got like this intuitive, uh, nudge toward St. Anthony. Um, and the more that I thought about what I asked for, it made perfect sense to go to St. Anthony, you know, the patron saint of lost things, because what's lost is my family's history and legacy and tradition, especially with, with regards to how we, uh, our spiritual foundation, you know, and uh, our spiritual roots, that information is lost, you know, so. I was like, all right, St. Anthony, we're about to get it in. That's cool, <laughs> you know? man. Yeah, yeah. So 
I'm going to, I'm going to follow up that. I'm going to, you know, definitely, uh, start working with, um, with St. Anthony, like very, very, um, closely, you know? Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was, it was dope. It was, it was a dope little, it was a nice little, it was a nice couple of days, man. Um, with regards to getting back and, and like doing stuff because, uh, you know, after my last Aluchadarium operation, I just, I went out of the country. And so I couldn't, um, I haven't really been able to do a, too much magic because I've been just, I just been traveling like nonstop. So as soon as, as soon as all my traveling was done, I was like, this is time to get back to it. You know, I had a pretty, like, I kind of went to ground a little bit. I mean, I say that, but then I'm also constantly doing something. So it just like seems like I'm not doing much magic, but then I'm also yeah. like, doing like ecstatic journeys while I'm running and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I'm not doing much. And then I'm like, you know, like jumping into runes in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like so heavily integrated into your life. It just seems like you're you're not doing it, you know. When the fact you you are. Yeah, like <laughs> heavy know? dream journaling, like yeah. Know, always <laughs> yeah. like it's just funny, like, oh yeah, nothing major. I just like meditate for like an hour a day. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, like what have you been up to? It I wasn't mean, always just, that way, man. Yeah, <laughs> word, exactly. Exactly. Like a light week is like, oh, you know, I did some fucking songs and I meditated and a journey, just some did some journey work yeah. trying to get back on my game. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm still trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah, I've been holding off just because my wife has been pregnant and it's just like a big no no to be doing really heavy dude shit with like little kids and pregnant women in the house. So even, yeah. but even then it's like, Oh, I'm not doing anything. And I'm like spending like an hour. I wake up at like five in the morning, to spend like an hour in my room, like a dummy, <laughs> just <Yeah>. like <laughs> doing all this work and like feeling bad that I'm not doing anything. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Right. Isn't that funny? Isn't that weird? Yo, I wanted to ask you too, Sharif. I wanted to chase that point down real quick because yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking about just everything and, I've been doing a lot of ancestor work and for me I come from white background and like we just have shit recorded but like how how far back have you chased your ancestors? I'm really curious how that works. Um do um my, so my my former wife she went on like this crazy spree on ancestry.com like doing wild um like really wild uh work with with my family tree i'm actually trying to pull it up right now i want to say i mean i want to say we got back to like we ended up getting back to like maybe the 1700s you know but it's questionable because it was kind of just like we were just going off of like one hint this other hint this other hint so there wasn't that much um there wasn't that much legwork to verify what she was finding. Do you know what I'm saying? We, yeah. we were just, we were just limited to whatever, whatever she saw on ancestry.com. Um, but with that being said, I would say my mother was able to get us back to, to like the, I think like the late or mid, um, uh, later mid uh, 1800s. 
you know, I'm actually pulling up my ancestry.com shit right now. But um, but there is a man, there's a white man who was a sheriff who married um I don't know if she was black or if she's indigenous or what, but he's definitely um in my family tree on my mother's side. But um because my mother's side has a majority of the European ancestry and you know new european uh and uh northern northern european uh ancestry uh comes from her uh mm. her side of the family like you know like england scotland ireland i got some um i think some scandinavian yeah. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So like the early, the early 1800s, late 1700s is, is how far mm. back, you know, I was able to. That's interesting. To, yeah. Yeah. Mostly on, I think on my paternal mother's side. Mm. Yeah. Man, that's wild. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at my DNA results right now based on ancestry and the strongest the highest, the highest percentage is, uh, is like the Congo, you know, central, central, the West, uh, central Africa, but I have okay. a good, I have like a decent, I have like a, like a relatively decent amount of European ancestry. I mean, I have, let's see about, let's see. Yeah. I got fucking Greece and Albania, 1% Greece and Albania. Like what were they doing over there? Okay. <laughs> that's probably that's probably Hell way yeah. back. <laughs> way back word, you know. Um so I would say I have about close to like twenty percent, twenty-five percent European ancestry, somewhere around there. So so when you're chasing ancestral stuff down, if if you're doing it journeying and stuff on this, like what is kind of popping up for you? See, that's the difficult thing because it uh, you know, mostly when I'm, um, if I'm doing it that way, then I get mostly images and feelings. I don't really get the shape of a human. You know, I get like, like there was this one time where um, I was doing something with candles and I had reached out to my ancestors and they showed me in my mind's eye a candle. And so one day I was, I don't know, some shit had happened, like some weird synchronicity had happened. I took my daughter to a playground and there was some graffiti in the, in the like it was some graffiti in the playground. And what it was, was somebody took like a pack of like big stickers from the post office and they tagged up they they were using that for, to to make their tags, and mm, like um, slapping them of, on something. Yeah, yeah, just slapping them on something. But what I saw on a on a telephone pole was a candle. It was like a drawing of a candle, and I can't remember exactly what happened that day, but something significant happened that day related to my ancestors and like this vision of the candle. And then I go to the park, and then there's like this drawing of all things a candle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm in, you know, it was just, it was nuts, you know? So yeah, how often do you see candles and tags and graffiti? Exactly. Like, 
you know? No, so, I, um, never. Yeah. Never. I've, I'm trying to think like never. Yeah. No, you never see that. You never, you never see that. So, um, so they, so from, it was mostly through like images, man, like images of objects, not so much, um, not so much faces of people, um, and moods. I find that, I find that they, um, really communicate strongly by listening moods. Um, Hmm. You know, so I might be, okay. I might, I might be wanting to reach out to one of my grandfathers or whatever, and I'm expecting yeah. like I'm expecting it to, I'm expecting it to be like he's gonna show up in my imagination. But no, what ends up happening is a series of emotional states, you know, comes mm. over me, and that's 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 how the communication happens. You know, so, um, so I'm really hoping with, uh, with, with this work that I'm going to be doing with St. Anthony that, um, I'm hoping that it opens up the door to connecting with more distant ancestors who can just recognize that I'm their descendant somehow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say the mood thing because. We have, so I kind of like pick oh, like the ancestor tree, a plastic Halloween skull from it. And like we brought back when Becca and I went to Scotland, she's related to Rob Roy McGregor. So we mm. went to the Glasgow Necropolis and we went to where he was from and like two other places that are like significant to her family. And she took a pinch of grave dirt and we brought him back and like kind of buried him in the dirt around this tree. And the side of the family that I connect like the most with is my dad's side. And my dad's side is really, um, they're kind of proud, but it's a, it's a pride that is based on like self-consciousness. So you just like hold yourself up higher and just do that because you're afraid basically of all this other stuff. Well, I was in the garden the other day and I turned around and looked into the yard and <laughs> the, that ancestor tree that I picked is the biggest. I like that feeling washed over me. It's like, oh yeah, of course that's the biggest tree in the yard. You know what I mean? So like that, yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Isn't that, yeah, that's wild, bro. That's, that's wild. And you know, it gets me, it, it's like, you know, sometimes I see my expectations on how spirit communication is going to be like in my mind, mm-hmm. it's like an apparition is going to come up and they're going to have a straight <laughs> up conversation with me. Like we're having right now. And if that doesn't happen, then I somehow failed. But for, for in, sure. actuality, in actuality, it doesn't work like that. It works like, you know, sometimes it does. Sometimes it, I mean, sometimes it does. If I mean, I have yet to uh, achieve that that level of, you know, of getting spirits to come in and politic with me. But I mean, even when they do, it's still cryptic for me. You know what I mean? Like it'll be some message that like, okay, like I know this is going to be useful, but like, I'm going to have to unfold this for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. You're, you're you're exactly, you, you hit the nail on the head because it's like, it's like you just get an idea, you know what I mean? But 
if I don't have a physical body to like make noise with or like right. point with, but I could still somehow communicate with you, then how would I do that? I would probably, you know, I would probably somehow manipulate whatever subtle medium right. that is capable why- of, you know, is capable of perceiving non-physical things you know what i mean that's why it's interesting that you talk about it being uh for you through your emotional states because all right so here like this may be a leap but your body's made of water yeah and your body's (laughs) made of your ancestors like that water was passed to you from them so there's a well there oh shit connecting emotions with water so like you know when an angel speaks to you it's this way but when an ancestor speaks to you i feel like it's very much in the body embodied gut um yeah things like that totally i totally agree you gotta unpack that man because that's so that's so potent like i literally never thought i literally never thought of that you know but like we are literally Man, that's that's deep, bro. I, I want to hear a little bit more about that if you could, if you could, man, because that's just like I don't know. I'm kind of I'm really struck by that. Yeah, I man, mean, so... I guess for me, for me, it, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go, you go, you're good. Well, I'm just I'm working Heathen Solo right now by uh, Winifred Hot. She basically there's this like idea that what we have in Western culture for whatever reason that like we have one soul, like there's us. And then there's like that one soul. And then like, if you go into the Kabbalah, it takes it deeper and there's different parts. The Egyptians have a couple parts. Like I would go out on a limb and say like most of the cultures have this idea of a soul as like different pieces. So this woman has like pieced together the Norse Germanic, like, and of course it's like nine different ones. Right. So I've been working that. And the first one I got through is like, um, it's, there's like this ancestral part of it. Like there's the being who rotates around it and kind of like protects it. And it's an ancestor from way back who, um, chose to, he chose to like be that part that wards this soul part that comes in. He's always there with it simply because like that was what he picked to do and he could bring pride to his family. If everybody could like, if he could help people moving down the line. And I just, I, from my basic explorations with that, it just seems like there's a, there's a lot of aspects of us self, including the water, including like our heartbeat being our family's drumbeat and it gets passed on. And just like things like that. So it just seems to me that there's a lot more ancestral than we're willing to give it credit for, I think. Yeah. yeah I, I, I often fall into like the, the, that place where I'm like maybe almost attributing too much, but I don't think you can really, because I think that this is the human base religion. Like we venerate our dead and we venerate our ancestors. And so like, you know, if you, (laughs) damn, I'm always thinking of it in video game sense. Like, but you know what I mean? That's your skills that you have as you, if you pick the human class or whatever, 
You know, mm-hmm. that's the skill set that comes with it. The attribute set that comes with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I, and I see it more and more. The more I do, the more work I do with it, the more I'm like, wow, this is all just like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like in Norse mythology, you come from, humans come from like oak and ash trees. Like we're literally, we were born out of that. And then a couple weeks ago, for whatever reason, my father-in-law was watching that new edition of Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson, or I don't know how to say his name. Um, and he was like, "Today comes from that oak. So that's technically this ancestor. And for like someone like him to say something that's like so beyond this in this other culture than he is, it's like, wow. It's just, it's hard to ignore once you start like really cracking into it. And man, I'll tell you this. I've been doing, so I did an ancestral, an ancestral medicine session. Um, it was really good, but I've been following up. And so I haven't done another one since, but I've been following up basically with those ancestral guides that I met in that session. Yeah. And we didn't get to all four of them because, you know, you got one you know four um and so the one we didn't get to is my father's father's line but like since that session he's come forward Mm. and i've been dude and what man what made me there was something you said that made me want to say that oh yeah because okay you said the soul swirling around like the ancestor that's chosen to like be your guardian or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. The guardian of this specific part. It's, oh, it's this weird. specific part of the soul. Yeah. Oh, that's, but cool. anyway, go ahead. Well, cause I often like imagine them swirling around me. And so I'm also like really toying with the idea of making a circle with one of your lines for each direction Mm. based on some stuff that i've been seeing in journeys and stuff like where they stand around me so like not only do i take my place in the directionality of north south east west in the time that i'm in in the daniel four like in the book he he likes to use the mandala family tree shape so instead of like this tree coming down with you at the bottom, it's you're in the center of a circle, mm. cut into four, and they go out in each direction. So you're in the center of something rather than being kind of down as a tributary of it, right? Because you're mm. embodied. Yeah. Wow. Then, it's just some stuff I've been playing around with. You know, I got to, um, uh, I think it was back in like, I think it might've been around May. I got an ancestral reading from um, Ash Fidello. Um, he's going to kill me because I can't remember his, I can't, I'm not <laughs> pronounce his last name, but um, wardenweave.com, wardenweave.com. Very, very good. You know, dude on Shout there. out. My ho- that's my homie. Um, but he was able to connect with some, some um some kindly ancestors that were pretty distant like they were like time wise chronologically 
Um, and so he made some recommendations and pointed me in the direction of, uh, of like pursuing something within like the Orisha uh, cult, which, which for some reason for me, I don't know. I just never really vibed with, I never really vibed with it. Like I never felt like an energetic, uh, gravitation toward the Orisha stuff. Um, you know, I did, I had a, I had a dream in 2020, like a very strong dream that like I had met some dude and one thing led to another and I ended up getting initiated into EFA. Like I had like a dream inside of a dream, you know, where I died in the second dream and I woke back, like I came to life back in the first dream, like initiated into EFA and shit. And I was like, EFA. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know? So, um, so anyway, so he encouraged me to, to pursue, you know, pursue that. And I ended up reaching out to a, a good friend of mine. That's about allowed. I got a, you know, I got a reading from his godfather and, you know, there's some stuff, there's some other stuff that I need to do. They did some stuff for me. Um, but what was interesting was this, ha okay. So this happened before I went to Paris in the middle of May. Then when I went to Paris, I had a, I had like a, it was like a dream where my ancestors came to me. And, um, and I was, I don't know, like I, there was so much stuff that was happening in the dream. Like my father was in a dream. My brothers were in the dream. It's probably mm -hmm. my ancestors from my father's side. Not that I think about it. Um, but I remember being somewhere where I, I walked past this elder it was this older black man and he was he was like he was squatting he was sitting in this area it was a it was mud and he was squatting in the corner like but looking out at people walking by him or whatever so i i walked i walked by him and i went somewhere and i ended up coming back to him and when i came back to him there was a woman with him and i walked over there to him and I remember emotionally, I was pleading for guidance. And I kept mm -hmm. saying, I kept calling him Baba, Baba, you know, which Baba means father in a number of different um, languages, you know. Sure. And the interesting thing was he kept calling me Baba, you know. So, so I was like, wow, okay. Um, but one of the things that I was that I was um, experiencing in Paris, and this is gonna get a little bit deep, but it's part of like, it's part of the conversation around an like ancest ancestry and ancestral memory. You know, one of the things that I was dealing with in Paris was I was first off, this is gonna sound crazy, but I was surprised by the number of, of, of African Parisians that I was seeing, you know, like Parisians that clearly, you know, come from Africa. Um, and the, and like what I was most struck by was like this, the, this presence, this like there was something in their presence that said like, I'm from here, I'm from there, that as an African-American is missing because of, mm. you know, because of the way that we ended up here, you know? So like, there, so it's like, all right, cool. I'm African-American. I know my family comes from the South. But where in Africa did we come from? What tribe did we come from? Right. That memory is gone. You know what I mean? So 
you know, so, um, so that they came to me in the dream while I was out there, um, experiencing like this, this like weird dissonance, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. it was really powerful. It was really powerful. It was very comforting. Uh, you know, it was a very comforting experience. Um, you know, and what I, what I came away from that experience with is like, they're like, you know, it's it, like, I guess for me, when I see people specifically on social media, when they talk about connecting with their ancestors, you know, it's mo what's not being said is I'm actually out to connect with my African ancestors. But like, what I'm finding is like when we're doing ancestral work, you know, like we have to be willing to connect with all of our ancestors. You know what I mean? Like the ones that, you know, like e even ones that we don't even realize that we're related to, but we're yeah. getting this familiar feel, um, you know, we're getting like this familial vibe from, you know? Um, so it's like, so, you know, on the one hand, you know, we're here, we're American and, you know, you're taught you're black and African-American when, when the actuality is, you know, we are, we are African European descendants that just, you know, we come from like some of us, not all of us, but what a large population of, of people that are quote unquote black, you know, also have this European ancestry, you know, because due to one thing or another, you know, like however shit went down, you know, you got to own that. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and magically, I feel like, magically, I feel like sometimes I wonder, like, because I'm, because I have so much involvement within like the Western magical tradition, are my European ancestors who were magicians or witches or cunning men or whatever you want to call them, cunning women, whatever, are they more prevalent and wanting to, you know, to like to pass this down, you know, you, I, I wonder these mm. things, you know, because of the yeah. way, because of the, the 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 inclinations, you know, that I have, you know, like I'm at a point right now where I'm sort of I'm wanting to explore this intersection between this cross pollination between um, between African and European culture by way of Catholicism, you know because the Congo people were very Catholic, you know, um, they were very Catholic and that came from their, um, it came from their, um, their dealings with the Portuguese and the, and the Italians, you know? Um, and so there's this, there's this very interesting mixture of African and European cultural uh, cross-pollination yeah. that took place you know, at one point in history, not too, not too, not too long before the transatlantic slave trade, you know? Um, so it's just, it's just wild, man. It's just like, when you start to like get into like this ancestral stuff, it just, it just brings up, it brings up so much. That's the crossroad. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know? Uh, so I, 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 you know, and I, I, I struggle with the consistency of my ancestral practice, I guess, because it, it takes a certain skill to 
like to trust that what you're receiving, you know, is like the, the, like my, my expectation is that like, it'll all be revealed to me in one foul swoop and I'll know exactly what to do. But experience shows me that it's like, no, it's breadcrumb. It's like a breadcrumb trail, you know, that leads, you know, deeper and deeper and further, further inward into, into places that you can't even fathom, can't even imagine, you know, but the, you know, the work to do there is to just like verify, you know, and keep going, <laughs> man. I'll tell you this, you know, keep it, going. It, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but I'm talking about going deeper and deeper to places you wouldn't imagine. Like, yeah. When I go back to some of these, some of these ancestors that come to me, man, like I'm not even sure that they're for one human and another, like from word, word, you know, cause like, where, <laughs> did the, cause where did the, like that direct, like, well, however you think that we got here, like, how did that direct, like, where did that directed panspermia shot come from or whatever, you know, like, mm, or what? that's wild that you're getting hits like that. I've never had anything like that. How, how, how does that, how does that feel compared to like human ancestors? Do so they come across differently? So there's this one guide, and I'll tell you this, man. In the session, there's one guy, like one of the guides for one of these lines was like, okay, so you you look at the ancestors and you say, would would one of you come forth that wants to like aid in this healing or whatever? And so like an ancestor came, or someone came forth, and you ask, are you an ancestor? And so I asked, are you an ancestor? And they said, no. And I, and then I'm directed to then ask, well, can you take me to an ancestor? Mm. And they said, yes. And we got like, <laughs> I mean, like basically took off and flew to like this dude. It's crazy, man. It sounds crazy <laughs> to this. <laughs> we flew to this, like, this temple in like a rock floating in space. And when we got to the ancestral guide, she looked at me like she had to figure out what I was for a second. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And wow. it's been, man, and she shows me like all these symbols and stuff. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Like, yeah, it's cool. But yeah, it, dude, at first, like her presence was so like the guide asks you like, so what like vibe are you getting from this person? Like, is it a good vibe? And the vibe I got from her was like, it's intimidating. Like I had to ask her to turn the volume down. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, she's, yeah, man, dude. And like some of the stuff that she's shown me and like, because like I'll go kind of on these spontaneous journeys, but like I, I'm in the context of like, this is a healing ancestral healing journey, right? But I'm just going to let them take me on where, where they take me. And so like the stuff, yeah, dude, right. And so like this, like one time I went to her thing and she showed me like the tree of life. Uh, dude, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> and basically like, like I watched it unfold where like the people were kicked out of Eden. And this is interesting, um, Mo, because this goes back to something that we talked about, but, um, there was this, and this is like UPG, whatever, man. You know what I mean? But like that in this vision of that going down, when the people were kicked out of Eden, 
the angel standing there with the burning sword, there was a sense of like he's standing there waiting for his siblings to come back. Mm, interesting. You, you know yeah. who that angel is, right? Yeah, that's Uriel, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Which is interesting because, yeah, man, because that's your whole the divination by word of Uriel. But yeah. he's also the angel that hands a book of angel magic to Adam and says, here, you, you can't, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Oh man, that's <laughs> really cool. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Like, and in, in, I think there's a Hebrew tradition where, and I can't remember what the book is. Sharif probably knows. <laughs> uh, is it? Oh, is it Sefer? Uh, oh, yeah. Like holler at us. Is it Rathio? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, so that's a wild ancestral memory too, man. Well, well, speak, speaking of ancestral memories, we, we were, you know, we were texting back and forth and we were talking about how there's this, um, there in all these cultures, there are, there's like these parallels with this Enoch becoming Metatron, become like, becoming angelic you know what i mean mm -hmm. and the first thing that the operator well not the first thing but like one of the first treatises in sefer Raziel's, um or libra Solomonis is um knowledge of the stars you know it's an astrolog astrological treatise one of the first things that enoch is taught is the stars you know, yeah, he's brought up there and toured around. Yeah, he's given a tour. He's given a celestial tour. Yeah. You know, so that 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 celestial tour is sort of reflected in the the tradition where you have to you have to have um, some knowledge of this this feels the it's like it's yeah. almost like you have to reorient yourself because because you because you because you're born on Earth. Like your 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 default orientation is that everything revolves around the earth. When in fact the earth is just one of an infinitude of objects existing in this space. And in this region of space, there is a thing called the zodiac. So you have to get you have to reacclimate yourself to yeah. the fact that, that yeah you live in space but you are no you live on earth but you also exist in space yeah and there are forces that you exist in like that you exist within so there's this orientate like there's this reorientation that takes place you know starting with that's really well, interesting well here's the zodiac because because everything everything from there like there's like the the relationship that's being implied is that what happens in the stars happens on earth you know like the star like the the activity of the of the planets and the activity of the the activity of the planets drives the activity on earth you know so you have to kind of start at the source so that you can see so that you can see how how this energy um plays out in your in your physical location on earth 
and how it mixes everything, you know? So anyway, I share that because you brought, you, you know, you brought up the, the, you know, this point of, um, I don't even know. I don't of even of know you traveling to space on a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, the man. On the rock. Yeah. And I get the feeling like, okay, reading the book of Enoch and reading. So I, like I had mentioned in our, our text chat, like I'm reading uh, Bentley Layton's uh, translations mm-hmm. of the Gnostic scriptures. And uh, I really like his translations, but um, I, I, so I read, I've been reading a lot of that in like book of Enoch and it's all, you know, the book of Enoch. So what stuck out to me there, cause I had never read it before. Uh, and I read it last night. And one of the things that stuck out to me there was that the angels in the book of Enoch teach the women that they go to the earth to procreate with. Right. Yeah. They're the fallen angels. Really yeah. The thing yeah. yeah. And so, and then also in, Okay, so I'm trying to connect these threads here. And I can't remember which book it was. I think it's um I think it is the trimorphic predanoia, but they all kind of like Okay, all, yeah, yeah. All those Gnostic texts kind of have like they like each give like kind of a synopsis of the of the um the creation or, or the emanation or whatever. Yeah, in a different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And so in the one I was reading, and I think this is the Sethians that especially have this doctrine, but like, so to, in, in, in their kind of mythological continuity or whatever you want to call it, um, the sons Cain and Abel are actually not the descendants of Adam. They're the descendants of Eve and Yaldabaoth, who mm. defiles Eve. And then the the human children are the um, the sons of Adam and Eve are the descendants of Seth. Interesting. So that's you know like so the idea of angels being related to us and in our ancestry and that's very compelling Literally. to me. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I so, mean that's kind of that's kind of what Peter Gray's on about with his like Lucifer princeps and. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about like probably that only angel magic. You're breaking up a little Texas. bit. We'll see yeah. if it's workable. Probably Can you repeat that? Because um, you broke up. Yeah, a little yeah. Bit. So, like I was saying, so Peter Gray, like I'm, I'm on his. I, I love his shit, and uh, he. That's kind of what he's on about. Is like he's talking about um, how we're related to them and. And I was thinking about when we were talking about angel magic and how I like kind of repulsed by the Christian aspects of it. Like if Lucifer, when Lucifer uh, practice comes out, I'll probably work that <laughs> if that's workable, like because yeah, he's really trying yeah. to break it out of that Christian context. So, yeah, it seems yeah. and it seems like one of the things that they come from actually is the Rephaim, which is the Sumerian aspect of healing the healing dead. And they come in the form of birds. They have a bird form. So you can see how that sometimes down the line seems that they're, um, I mean, they were willing to teach us. Doesn't that sound like some kind of parental figure, especially if they're from that certain aspect? 
Yeah, I don't know. Dude, I also, think about the fallen angels a lot, trying to trying to break it out because they are really like the original teaching spirits in some of the oldest mythology that we have. The Book of Enoch hits really different if you read it. Like the God in it is the demiurge, and he's punishing these angels mm-hmm. who are actually teaching us the truth and teaching yep. us the arts of magic and metallurgy and all these uh, astrology. Um, how to paint your eyelids that's in there too uh, <laughs> yeah man that's that's man. wild that's that's yeah. wild you know because i think one of the big one of the major points of the of the angel magic course um was that we receive culture from the the celestial spirits you know like they gave yeah. us culture you know um so then I guess I guess that begs the question then why? Like why would why what about us, you know, do they find worthy enough to give us culture? You know what I mean? And I guess it ties back Good to question. what you know, like one of the points that like it, it it I guess it does tie back to like because there is some ancestral relationship that's there. You know, like, like, why are there, why is there a phenomenon of spiritual protocol and practices to quote, become angelic? You know what I mean? Like that is a thing, you know, in the world, that's a thing in the world. Um, And it's not just a thing in one culture. It's a thing in multiple cultures. For sure. You know, so. So th- there is some there is something to say about this this necessity to establish and or rather reestablish the kinship and uh the like the kinship between man and our our celestial um what if they just what if they just like to be like recognized too like what if yeah. you know when you hit you know when you hit a magic operation i think you guys might have been talking about this on the last podcast. That so I'm gonna credit both of you with this idea. But like, you know, when you hit a magical operation and it works and it works so well that you it kind of like astonishes you. Like, what yeah. if that's part of the offering to them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you like, have a little kid and you get it something really tight that it asked for, and that little kid like wakes up and sees it like their reaction is partly for you because it's a really cool feeling. And I don't want to like, I don't want a one-to-one human relationships with human and non-human relationships. But like part of me thinks that that like them granting you that astonishment is part of the deal for them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you think about it, it's kind of like, uh, let me just step back and, and let you give me the props when you realize like how dope I just made your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like I just gave you the dope gift. I'm not going to brag, but if you right. feel inclined to give me the props. <laughs> Man, I think part of it too is. Thank you, um, St. Anthony. They, yeah. they, Anthony. They're looking, bro. <laughs> They look at us as, and this is not an original thought from me. This is something that someone said in a chat room that like always stuck with me, but they look at us as the badasses for 
like choosing to incarnate. They're like, whoa, mm. you're crazy. Mm. Like, let take this. Yeah. Yo, no. if I was an alien and I was flying by this planet and like my radio just got tuned in and I've like heard Black Sabbath, I would be interested in what was going on on that planet. You know what I mean? Like that's, and, and that's just like my example. Like everybody has their own, like, wow, if I heard that, like I would be astonished. But like, what if we really are like cool enough to do shit like that and it interests them because they yeah. haven't taken that step down in emanation into this like super material goo form i don't know another it's thing just it talks about that i in the think book, about a lot another thing it talks about in the book of enoch just because it's fresh on my mind is how the angels were interested in coming down and experiencing incarnation in that way like well, they wanted to fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were like, yo, I'm trying to fuck. I could go up here with this dude. <laughs> I could go up here with this yeah. dude. Or like, I Maybe. could go and I could show them shit, which would make them more inclined to fuck. Right. Like, <laughs> like, Maybe humans are just sexy, man. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> or, I don't know. But like, but like you see these, you see these like, for lack of a better term, like sexual inclination in like abduction situations with grays and lizards, right? You see like anal probing, you see sex, you see insemination, like, like you yo, see all I these just other got things happening. <laughs> yeah, but like, I and I don't know how to connect those. Cause, and no, look, and there's like I, medieval fairy stories where people go in and they have sex with fairies in the fairyland, or or they, you know, there's all this throughout human history. There's this like mingling of bodies, essentially. You know, I just got, I just, there's something that just came to me and there's something about, there's something about like, see, we have, we have physical bodies so we can, we have physical senses. So, you know what I mean? Like there's things that we can, that we can experience that can't be experienced without physical senses. You know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. even when you dream, even when we dream, you know, there's still some, we st there's still some semblance of like sense sense activity, you know, but like, so I could, I could understand the appeal of something that primarily exists independent of sensory instruments, you know, wanting yeah. to, by choice, acquire the ability to sense. You know, and forego for for a, a short period of time in relation to eternally, for eternity, forego the forego the um, existing as like you know in a, in this state where you're just like where there's no there really is no boundaries between you and everything else because you don't have right. you don't have the instrumentation to set like to segment you from everything else you know. And right. So vibe, sound vibrations, light vibrations. Yeah. Like they don't come through these things that are transparent. You have to become like a brick wall in order yeah. for sound to bounce off you and like yeah, absorb exactly. and be understood. Like, and there's yeah, something I get it, about... but also kind of fucking sucks just to hear music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um <laughs> catch twenty two, I guess. There's something yeah, about dying, I think that's important too. So yes. Okay. So having that experience and then dying 
Yeah. I think yeah, that is totally. the gateway to some, some other um, state of being. Right. And so the fact that the angels Agreed. wanted the angels wanted their descendants to experience death. So yeah. if, if a human spirit can become a saint, what can the spirit of a dead Nephilim become? Mm, right. I think about that a lot. Lucifer, right? Well, dude, I, Lucifer, Satan. Yeah. Well, I've, you know, like, uh, it's a re- that's a really interesting question. Got my mind kind of spinning right now. Because yeah. you think about all the like Norse, like Frey was supposedly like a, an amalgamation of different like ancient Nordic kings that they just thought were so tight that they made it to this thing that was bigger than life. I, I yeah, I, yeah. Mm. Well, and Odin traveled up from like Mesopotamia. I think I can't remember where it is. I maybe one of the Eddas where it talks about Odin traveling up from basically from Mesopotamia up to the north mm. and siring kings the whole way which sounds like something that happened uh in some antediluvian like nephilim yeah it shit. sounds like and, it sounds like genghis khan right yeah it sounds right. like charlemagne like every if you trace it you trace your dna far back enough like you're related to charlemagne because he just like but that's that sounds it sounds and it feels more to me that like charlemagne's name or that person's name was so like glorious that like to attach yourself to it meant like a certain amount of prestige so angled up to me but i think there's more truth than not to like where you're going with that well yeah and i mean if you i've never heard odin come from mesopotamia and i would like it i would love to read that yeah that changes a lot of shit yeah that's really that's really interesting that and it's it's so funny that we're talking about this today because you know, I got I got out of the shower this morning and, you know, you guys probably are like me where you do some of your best thinking in the shower. <laughs> so I was I was thinking about like the etymology of angel, you know, like messenger, you know, like, are we not yeah. messengers as yeah. human beings? Like, are we not like like one of the fundamental part of being a human being is the like the ability to communicate and to send messages and to receive messages yeah you know, so so if we're like going to take the most literal position you know and and inquire into what is an angel and the etymology of angel essentially is messenger right is that not what we like? I mean, think about it. Like when you pass on your DNA, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You're giving some, like you're passing data onto something else, right? Like you're like, all we can do is pass data, you know, like biologically, you know, verbally, like that's just how we function. We just process data we receive data, process it, encode it, and send it along. Yeah, but I don't like the data part. Is I don't, I just don't like it aesthetically. <laughs> Tim Stories. was telling me something that that he was doing when he was running, and I don't know if he told me this or I got the idea. But like the heartbeat is like a drum. Yeah, and when you create a person, 
when you create a baby and their heart starts beating, it starts beating in sync with yours. So it's playing like that same song. So the songs are being passed down. Yeah, it's yeah, story. You're sure. passing down stories. Songs are being passed down. Yeah, you're passing down stories. Wow. You're passing down songs, and that's that. Dum, dum, dum. Like there's a there's a point when baby's heartbeat and her heartbeat were the same, and so they had to like stop and wait to get the stress test done because they couldn't differentiate between the two. And that's cool. They you want to hear like when you hear your baby's heartbeat through that, you want it. You it. You want it to make you want to dance. And that's what mm-hmm. it did. Like if you hear it and it sounds like that, that 140 mm-hmm. house, that funky Chicago mm-hmm. house, like, mm-hmm. and it has that, mm-hmm. like that, to me, it's just that heartbeat going on and it gets passed down and continues. And that's like your, I don't know. I, I find a lot of, too. um, yeah, totally. I feel I, that just like wow. fills me with a lot of joy when I think yeah. about it like that, you know? As opposed to like oh, biological man. data where it's like, here's my fucking DNA prints and you can have all this and stick it in your computer and it'll all work like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, that just, you know. I mean, bro, you dig just... this too. This is I don't I don't know what to do with this, but I find it completely fascinating. So yeah. my wife had a little girl. And yeah. when my little girl was in my wife's belly all the eggs that my little girl will ever have were Mm -hmm. in her already. So within my wife was the next generation Uh of the next generation. There's like three generations existing, like a, like a column within each other. You know what I mean? And that's just like, really, when I think about it, like I said, it just fills me with this, like, it's like an oak tree. It's like the layers of an oak tree as it grows, man. Bro, as a it's girl, that, that is wild. Okay, yeah, so is. talk about the tree and the, and the Norse mythology. We come from trees. I just had this thought, and I'm just going to follow it. Um, so Odin hung himself on the tree mm-hmm. to find the runes. And I've always seen that tree. And, you know, Jesus hung on the tree. Mm-hmm. Conan the Barbarian hung on the tree of wool. Totally. And he bit that vulture that Did was trying it. to eat him. Um, <laughs> Prometheus is hung up. I don't know. It's not on a tree, right? It's on like a mountain. But so that tree is always, to me, symbolized like the state of being alive. Okay. Like, so if if the roots of the tree are the ancestors and the leaves and the branches of the tree are the descendants, then you're the trunk in this moment. Right. And so you're, Mm, you're hanging on the tree of life. Mm. Um, and so I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then also like in the Norse after Ragnarok, um, Leif and Leif Thrasir, uh, are the two children that escape Ragnarok by hiding inside the tree. I don't know. There's a lot there. I, the tree of life there's just there's something about trees man trees and ancestors and like the way we communicate with them and the way they work for us and the way they feed us and the way they especially you know there's like yew trees in europe there's you that have grown for nine hundred thousand years and every time a part of the yew tree dies the, the part that it like provides support for the layer that grows on top of it 
So they just grow mm-hmm. on top of each other and top of each other and top of each other. And it's just, yeah. they, it's a very funereal tree. It's a, like they use it for all kinds of different funeral customs and things like that. You see them in graveyards a lot. And it's just like this. We have. Or whatever his name is said it. And it's fucking true, man. He knows science. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, and there's the Astra connection yeah. too with the tree. There's so just, many connections, man. There's like, um, I don't want to get too deep into ATRs because it's not my lane and I don't know much about them, but like from what I've read, there's a lot of tree lore in there too. So yeah. You know, I mean, the Buddha sat under a tree and gained enlightenment. There's like mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff going on with trees. The mm-hmm. way they emanate up and the way they emanate back down. The mm-hmm. snake and the and lightning t- strike and they're talkative yeah. too. Yeah, they are. They want to talk to you. They want to hear you. They want to hear stories. They want to hear music. So do your ancestors. I don't know, man. It's just, they're too. I have a friend who thinks that we're not supposed to believe. We're not supposed to what? Go up in the space or like to leave the planet at all. Like we're not supposed to. We're not even really supposed to see when you're flying at 30,000 feet and looking down on the earth. There's a reason your brain is tripping because you're not supposed to see shit like that. But if you leave the atmosphere, something changes. And when you come back, like you can't ever get back in that rhythm. There are changes in the DNA of astronauts. I was going to, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's an intriguing idea though, because if you like people who have near death experiences and die and leave and come back, they're never the same either. So it's, it seems to me that there's something weird going on with us and the natural environment around us, like how connected we are to that and how, if we get far enough away from it and get back, like something's different. Yeah. You know, I actually want to do like some, (laughs) like a couple of hours of very lay person Google research on what, what, physiologically and mentally alters um and people who have physically been to space you know like no but what like i know there's research yeah yeah so one of the things that actually causes or, or this is a theory obviously but um i think it sounds pretty legit is that one of the things that causes mutations in like chromosomes is that like space particles will fucking hit them and like break pieces off of them and it's like sometimes it's good but and sometimes it's bad like you just don't know i believe it the fact that that so that is a really interesting connection of like the celestial the will of heaven right (laughs) i mean yeah i mean but like think about it like this like okay think about this we're kind of we're kind of like getting on a tangent here but i don't know maybe we'll get something out of it (laughs) But think about it like this, like, okay, so you, you go through this ridiculous training to be able to condition yourself to withstand the natural forces that are keeping you physically mm-hmm. secure to the earth, right? Like you get, you get in this machine that was put together by many people you know it's not like one person designed it and built it it's like it's the product of the of the minds 
of many, many people, lots of thinking, you know, lots of not lots of calculating, lots of smart people, you know, and your ship actually makes it out of orbit into space. You know what I mean? Like just getting there alone has to be life altering. And imagine you're one of the people who have to, you know, who get trained to perform repairs on the International Space Station. So now you're at the International Space Station. You have to float outside that shit. Yeah. And you literally have to float in the void of infinite space. Yeah. Like, what's happening to your mind? Like, what is altering about your relationship to Earth? to humans to all everything it's it like you were talking everything. about you were, like enoch had to go up and yeah you... yep yep yeah it's like what? and when he got back he was like fucking shit like yeah, imagine no. standing on the moon imagine standing on the moon and looking at it that must be like, like mall coot and yes soda right here but if you're yeah. on this end looking down yeah. this way and you're on like that just I think about that a lot. I and wonder if there's just, something about it, that to why we don't go there anymore. Like maybe. we stopped going there, man. And like, cause it was why? just tripping people out. There's wild. There's like some wild stories that I can't remember. Like off the top of my head well enough to recite. I'm reading of, penetration like, astronaut, right now. Of astronauts going to the moon and like being completely different when they get, get back. I, I don't doubt it. Uh, so penetration is that Ingo Swan uh, book. And so he remote viewed the, um, it's the far side of the moon, right? It's not really dark all the time. Anyway. Right. So he wrote, they had him, he was contacted. He's like, if you don't know Ingo Swan, he's like a really gifted psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's passed now, but, and he was like a really talented remote viewer and mm-hmm. he was involved in, in all that, those programs. And so he was, uh, he recounts in this book how he was approached by agents who asked him to remote view the far side of the moon. And he saw like in the craters there, like these beings doing what, man, it sounds like they're doing rituals or something. Right. But like there were towers and just a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so like the rest of the book, he kind of goes into like, Okay, you know how there's people that think that we didn't go to like that those videos are fake and that we didn't go right. to the moon? Well, his thing is like they're fake because we did go to the because moon. Because we showed something that yeah. we shouldn't have showed. Right. And mm. um, it's really interesting. He goes into like all the there's a lot of anomalies that people have seen with telescopes of like, dude, and that's crazy. I just thought of this. I saw some shit tonight where the moon outside mm-hmm. is like a sliver. And I saw a dark spot bisecting that sliver and I was driving. So it wasn't just like a stationary tree. Um, And I was like, what the hell's going on with the moon? And then I kind of pull a corner and it's gone, but I've been reading this book. So that's really Mm. weird too, that it happened. Right. But um, the other weird thing about Ingo Swan, he was OT eight clear in Scientology, which was like the highest level that they had opened at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. And a bunch of that remote viewing team, 
we're all like OTA clears. And that was like before they just started adding like like bogus ranks and stuff like that from what I know of Scientology, right? That's that's my understanding of it too, is like it's kind of just like the OTO where like no one had really walked through the degrees until the eighties. So no one had really as everyone had gotten that far, but like a bunch of those dudes, even in SRI, which is the Stanford Research Institute, um, yeah, they were all like hooked up with Scientology, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, the connection there is always interesting to me, especially like, you know, obviously you go to the, like the Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard thing. That's like really fast. Yeah, man, that shit gets way off in the weeds too. So, yeah, but it's that connection between space and us leaving space and like the occult dimensions and all this stuff. It's something I think about probably in an ordinate amount. Yeah, you know. Yo, let me let me ask you something though, Sharif, because I'm curious, and yeah. I think it kind of relates. Do you yeah. find astrology gets you if you time your angel operations to to like astrological good looking times? Do you feel like you get better results? You know, to be honest with you, I don't necessarily factor in. My, I don't factor in the astrology. Uh, I don't factor in what's happening in the in the stars. I do pay attention to what's going on with the moon, because at least with the, um, at least with the, you know, heptameron flash, you know, VRL one 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 five, the the spirits that you're calling on are sublunar, you know. Mm. Um, they are they are under the moon under the um, moon literally yeah they float between the under moon the, and earth yeah. in like like, like, mythology like the ter- like the like the aerial like the aerial mm-hmm. the aerial spirits you know cosmonauts you know, saw like, angels when they went into like low earth orbit too by the way i'm just interrupting but i believe that <laughs> i totally fucking believe that but anyway keep going you know, sorry so 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 the spirits that you're working with are are said to be well let me back up because you have to sort of you have to you have to sort of like go further into the sources to really see what spirits you're kind of working with but like yeah yeah like set okay so one of the source texts of excuse me what would what what, what would become uh the heptameron is sephiroharazim okay mm-hmm. now when you work the heptameron and you're conjuring the, you know, you're conjuring, you're, you're, you're intrigued, like you're performing the entreaty of the angels, which is basically you're calling on all of the, like the angels of the day um, mm-hmm. and the planet, right? You're also calling on an angelic overseer. Now, here's where things get tricky because in the Heptameron, There's a section where you're calling on spirits of the heavens, but in the entreaty of the angels, you're making reference to angelic overseers. Those overseers all exist in the first heaven, which is assigned to the moon. Mm. So they're not so the a lunar; a, they're lunar spirits. They're lunar, su- lunar slash sublunar. You know, like because they okay. have they have spirits underneath them. So. There, there was an, there was some, some confusion, where, where whoever was trying, whoever was putting together the heptameron, they conflated something. But 
whenever you see like a reference to like the angelic overseer, like Orfaniel, Tegra, you know, Salamia, you know, Yaxel, um, uh, not Yaxel, the homies, yeah, the homies, you know, <laughs> that's that's a nod, that's a nod because all of those, all of those overseers, they exist in what's called the first encampment, which is assigned mm, to the moon. Okay, so those are like the combos. You know, Yes, yes. In the, in and the none of their family. subordinates. Yeah. Now, my now based on this is based on a year of making like regular petitions. Like like I would say I would say I've done well over a hundred, maybe a little bit over two hundred petitions, right? Working with these spirits. Like if shit happens, the overseer okayed it. You know what I mean? If shit don't happen, they didn't okay it. Because it literally says in Sefer HaRazim that those angels don't do anything without the permission of the overseer. Mm. So do you have to go up the channel then or what? I don't know. I think it's just a matter of like, all right, we're cool. Uh, I'll dispatch this angel. You, or You nah, find them that. like relatively, you find them relatively unaffected. It's most, it's, it's like planets and the other astrology forces. Mostly the moon. Mostly has to do right there. So it's yeah, so only only because of what I'm working. Only because of like the right. system, the the tradition that I'm working, the system that I'm working. You know what I mean? Like that's if Mercury that's, that's if Mercury makes a if Mercury makes a weird aspect to the moon. Do you see? Have you seen any results of like interference? You know, not not magical results, but just like okay. shit going on in my life. You know. Mm. Um, now, now I will, I will say this because actually, no, I'm not going to say it because I don't have enough practical empirical Word. data to really back up what I'm about to go into. So I just won't say nothing. But, um, but what I can say is that, um, the moon is very important, um, because the theory is that the moon distributes everything that's happening above it you know, with regards to what, whatever's going on mm. with the planet, um, you know, okay. and that's a good, you know, and that's a good, that's a good point. Maybe like, maybe that's something that I just didn't track and measure. Like maybe the, maybe the times that my petitions were like really hitting had something to do with whatever astrological aspects were taking place at that time. Because while, um, while the Tamaran and VRL 1115 doesn't necessarily rely on the astrology, you know, right. when you get, when you go further up to their sources, like, uh, like Sefer Razielis and the Stuma Sacra Magicae, like the astrology of the moment is very important. Totally. You know, now, no, I now just, I, I, and I, I thank you for yeah, sharing too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I haven't read, I, oh shit. The rune soup to, uh, H2 forecast is, uh, finally out. <laughs> How timely, right? Um, shout out, shout out, yo, shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Austin and fucking Gordon and Rumsu or whatever. But, um, but, but yes, I haven't tracked, I haven't tracked the, the astral weather, um, on the, on, for the petitions that, that really popped off. You know, right. I just, I just disregarded the astral weather because, you know, there's not an emphasis placed on tracking the astrology within the heptameron. But there is when you go to its uh to its sources like 
you know, Sephiraziellis, specifically Sephiraziellis. Um, and I'm 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 going to make the assumption that the SSM places some 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 significance on um, the astrology of the time, you know. But mm. I could be wrong. It's not published yet, so fuck around, find out. I guess fuck around, find out. <laughs> you know. Um, but that one operation that we did, that I did do with the, uh, with the Pleiades, um, yeah. that shit, even though, even though at that time Mercury was, was retrograde, like, I know like, I was mad yeah. hating on everybody for doing the, that shit too. You know, the, but the magic, the, the results were really, the results were really, were really potent for, for what, whatever the astrology of that time was, you know? Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like I saw a couple people get blown up by it, and I was just like, "All right, y'all keep doing it though." Because I remember at that time being like, "Why not just wait?" Like the, you, yeah. the next month looked better, and like every Mercury wasn't retrograde, and what you were doing yeah. had to like link up with. I, I I don't know, but it sounded like you got good results. Obviously, yeah. with Auntie, yeah, Auntie Pearl. Yeah, yeah, word. That was wild. Yeah, Tim, I could I could I could clarify a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, please so, do. Yeah, so basically, you know, um, what we're talking about is when the when the Rune Soup uh, Angel Magic course dropped. Um, I think it was the it was like either the Module One or Module Two Praxis mm-hmm. took place ar- right around the time that Mercury was like was retrograde. Um, and what and so what ended up happening was people were engaging with the Praxis. <laughs> And they were reporting on it in the Ansible, but um, but like it was it was like a lot of I I can't remember specifically what was going on at that time, but it it seemed like there was like a lot of mixed signals or people having to do things more than once or or something you know something that was totally in line with like Mercury being retrograde. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know so um, and it was so, it's the PGM stuff. What what yeah. is it like the skills of the other different astrological? The, the, yeah, oh, yeah. It was like working with working with um working with the uh working with an angel of the constellation of the Pleiades. Pleiades, yeah. Which yeah, like and the seven and the Bailey. seven sisters. And, yeah, like one of the stars of the Pleiades. You know, um. So, oh, is that so the Gordon, Bayleaf crown? That's the yeah. baby crown, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. So, so I, which, which, I fucked, you know what? I fucked around with that shit, yeah. And he and he got good results, and I saw, I saw. I'll say I I saw people getting potent results. Yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, maybe not what they expected. <laughs> that's a and that's like a nice way to say it. Some honestly. trickster and stuff. I was like, why don't people just wait? Maybe or Mercury. Well, that's like some. Tri- I feel like that—that's trickstery, right? Yeah. Well, you know the yeah. thing about the thing about the the, the thing about um, Mercury being retrograde is that um, while things can get, and I think even some shit got crossed up with 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 some stuff that I was doing at that time, but um, you know, but it's like you kind of have to really, really, really slow down. Um. Because it gets so e- communication just gets so like wonky, you know. 
Um, however, if you're, however, it's a good time for reviewing things. Right. You know, so I think that's what, like, on the one hand, like, yes, like, what, would it have been ideal for Mercury to be station direct at that time? Probably. But because, usually. yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah, exactly. You know, but because things were, um, yeah, it was like, it was, it was a lot, bro. It was, and I, and I, I can't, I can't, I don't even remember what time it was um, retrograding, but, but I remember it took, it took like, it took like a group effort to really like validate the, the, the shit that had went down from that ritual. Um, at least in my case, because I had to consult you, Mo, I had to consult a couple of other people in the Ansible. And then I had a homeboy who at that particular time, he was, he was really into Renaissance astrology and doing a lot of stuff with the, with the fixed stars. And when I shared with him some of the stuff mm -hmm. that was happening, you know, he was like, yeah, man. Like, for instance, like, you know, the star that I was working with, it said that, like, you know, eyesight is, is connected to that particular star. And after the ritual, like, my ex-wife, like, hit me up because she somehow, like, scratched her eye and, like, she didn't realize how she did it. And it was just, it was just weird. It was just like, it was like, there was like, there was like some, some serious bleed through. Um, yeah, some blowback. What the, yeah, some blowback. Yeah, that's the kind know. of stuff you don't want. Yeah, you know. Well, like, it's a Mercury it retrograde, bro. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know. I'm going to die on that hill, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, you yeah. know, with ma I feel like with magic, too, you know, I actually never really thought about it, but yeah, it makes sense too if, if because Mercury is like the magician, right? Yeah, you know, it's the like, one that, that deliver our messages. But now that I think about it, it's like when you bring in when you bring in astrology into the mix, because there's a lot of magic that can be done, and you know we can argue that the magic is done independent of astrology. It's like it's not so much that the magic is in the, is done independent of astrology. It's just that astrology. Or the astrological timing um, wasn't wasn't a factor that wasn't a measurable factor. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't something that. Yeah. It's like it's like if you're driving a Porsche, you know, and the Porsche has a particular instrument that measures like the airflow. You know, like you're just driving a car that doesn't have the instrument that measures the airflow, but the airflow is still right. happening. You know, um, you know. So I think like okay. when you bring in when you bring in a, a astrology. It's like bringing in like a fucking like like this this yeah, instrument that lets you see, you know, mm. it lets you it gives you more nuance, you know, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it gives you the it gives like you the that. chance to measure measure things at a much more granular yeah, exactly exactly. You know, it's like it's like the difference between like like driving to you know, driving to Albany from, from Jersey City, yeah, I'm gonna jump in my car. And my car measures like, you know, my speed, my gas, my, you know, my, my, you know, my oil temperature, my fucking, you know, the, the revolutions per minute of my wheels versus like jumping in a plane and a plane has so much more instrumentation to, to yeah. measure, to measure what's, what's happening so that you can get from A to B. And I think when you bring in astrology, you just, you just bring in 
you know, something that, that gives you more, you know, more, like more, more lenses to look at what's happening through to measure what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. I'm more involved Mm. with the life of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, man. Just wait. I got to do just wait like a week. Still do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Yeah. But that, 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 I'm telling you, man, that, that angel coin. Like, if you had a plane that could measure all this shit and you knew you were about to fly into fog, like, why, why would you just get Why would you exactly this whole, like, yeah, just chill? <laughs> That's just me, though. I don't know. I was hating on yeah. people, too. No, we were thirsty as fuck to, to try that. <laughs> I, you know what it was? I think people, I don't think that people realize, like, the level that, that Gordon was going to come, you know what I'm saying? When, yeah. when they, when he talked about angel magic, because I certainly, I mean, talking for myself, I certainly did not expect what he put together. Like, you know, listen, coronavirus. People were anxious. People were mad anxious. And kids, the protocol too is like pretty straightforward. Some of the courses is kind of convoluted. And like I involved yeah. a lot of shit that people don't really want to do, but this is like we're so many fucking angels, we're just gonna do it right now. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it worked. But you but you know, I like the I like the context that he I like the context that he framed it in because he set it up inside of the same con like or or like an adjacent context to what Peter Gray is exploring this relate this ancestral mm-hmm. relationship yeah. between yeah. mankind and, and the angelic, you know? So it wasn't just like, I'm going to teach you about angels and I'm going to tell you how to do angel magic. It was like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to, we're going to start from, we're going to start from a particular band like point of view. And that point of view is if you look at what has been written religiously symbolically historically about man's relationship or humankind rather humankind's relationship with the angelic it's we receive culture from the angels so there is an ancestral what's implied is that there is an ancestral tie there you know so some sort for sure even if it's just lineage but i would argue it's more yeah, you know, so like let's just let's 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 look and see like how we can plug into this so that we could we could ex- well, yeah, we that's their mandate. Explore, yeah, that's what God made more. it for. He's like, you're here to help them go. Mm-hmm. You, you know? know, well, that's why yeah. the Lucifer stuff is interesting, right? Because yeah, he wouldn't bow to the humans, but he certainly seems involved. Right. You know what's interesting is like if you like like I've I've um I've I've I haven't read much Sufi material on this, but there are specific, like there are certain Islamic sects that look at the story of Shaitan as like he was unwavering in his devotion to God. So much yeah. so that he was willing to tell God, you're wrong. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, so it wasn't so much that like, 
he hated humans and wanted to torture humans for the fuck of it. It was more like, how the fuck, why would you, God, who created me, ask me to bow down and prostrate myself to one of your other creations rather than you? It was a, it seemed, so there's like a passion yeah. that's there, you know? Well, there's also, like, I don't, I'm going to jump yeah, in and say, I like that. I don't see him torturing really anybody except, you know, maybe Joe, but that was on God's behest. I see God doing a lot of torturing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo, how bored are you that you got to make humans suffer? You got a whole ass universe. This is how you want to spend your time? <laughs> like, yeah. And then at the end of he's he's like, you know what? I don't know. We're just going to go for it. I'll just send my kids. Fuck it. <laughs> We're like, fuck this. Well, man. You know, I'll, I'll just know. put all this on this kid right here. Here we go. I will, yeah. I will always bring that Gnostic perspective. And that's really more of like, Jesus is like a rescue mission from the higher God. So there's, there's the, the silent, unknowable father. No, man. I really like the Gnostic stuff. I really like the Gnostic stuff, but it seems to me like the more historical stuff I read that Jesus was sent to return them back to Mosaic law because there were people who were lording over, subjugating over them, specifically the Romans. And there were people who were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, collaborating. There was the, the, your religious leaders are collaborating with your imperial colonizers. It's like he was sent here to be like, all right, <laughs> a you guys can't do this shit anymore because it's not that and b it's like now god is the father that means none of you are fathers that means we're all brothers and sisters <laughs> let's like move back into the world and he would he would bring these people in and he wouldn't like take them up to heaven he would bring them in and heal them and send them back out into their community that's like some kind of this like walking beacon to tracular community and I like I get the Gnostic takes and I like them. I love the Gnostic stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, but to, like the universalization of Jesus to me, two thousand years later, is just it's something that doesn't it just doesn't hold up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what in the last two thousand years? When have you ever in the last two thousand years seen anybody apart from like the saints? like act anywhere close to what he was trying to do, which is return his specific community to these specific rules of mosaic law. Right. Because that would make you closer to them. That way you would finally get your kingdom and everyone would stop being oppressed by the Romans and the Persians, everybody else who were oppressed them from then on. So, ah, Jesus is just all right with me, man. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think those are much. mutually exclusive. At all. You know, I, I, I don't know too much about the, the Gnostic like, Go ahead. No, no, go, go, go. No, no, you go ahead. What what I was gonna say is like I, I don't know too much about the Gnostic perspective of Jesus, but like having had to sit in a mass in order to perform a magical operation, like to me. Like Jesus, Jesus was like in an, like a multi-purpose invention. Like the perfect stand-in 
for like the perfect substitute for an actual um, sacrifice. Because if you sit through, like, look, the Catholic mass and Catholics don't come, don't come from my neck, bro. You know what I mean? Like, don't come from my neck, but I'm about to say this. The Catholic mass is like, excuse me, it's a mock sacrifice. It's a mock sacrifice. Okay. You know, like it, like if you look at the, if you look at the script and you watch what's happening, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a mock sacrifice to absolve the congregation of their sins. It's the, it's it's like, it's the symbolic equivalent of literally killing a lamb because you fucked up and now you got to make penance with God. But the, but the rules you're fucking up are specifically the rules for these tribes that were lost in the tri- desert. Yeah, exactly. And that's like a, that's like there, a metaphor. There, yeah. But also, yeah. we're not lost in the desert. So we don't... Like, if you put the Ten Commandments outside your courthouse, what you're signifying to me, because you need these ten simple-ass rules to not kill each other. Like, it's just... they These rules belong to... Like, if you're a sinner, it's according to these things that belong to the certain people and like i just don't i have a real problem with christianity and i'm really trying to resolve it and i thought i had it about a year ago but it just seems to me that like we are taking on way more than we need to be and i don't understand the cultural pull because if we can go like we're going back into ancestral traditions and we're finding all these things that are like not necessarily free of christianity but like they seem purer to me and yeah, I don't no, I, know. I don't know why that is. So when you go to yeah. math and I understand why you do it because you're working with a certain current, but like to me, as someone, if I'm coming in and someone's absolving me of my sins, like. I, you know, I think there's, I think there's a particular rules. Like, I don't know. It's, it's tough for me. I think it's, I, so I don't, I don't mean to come at it from a moral perspective. I think, I think there's a technology behind sacrifice. Yeah. Because the same, because look, like, for instance, you know, I go to the Baba Lao, I get an Ifa reading, he reads me, you know, whatever, Odu falls, I got to make a sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? So I have to make the or sacrifice. Offering. Yeah. So, so there is some, there's something about the tech, like, I hate to, I hate to, talk about it like this but since we're all room supers we can we can you know we can look at it like this but there is a technology behind sacrifice you know now i haven't i haven't explored it from that perspective like i'm going to explore this this phenomenon called sacrifice but but i did see something i did see some sort of parallel between like okay in order for you to, to like one of the requirements of successfully performing a Tamaran operation is nine days of purification, you know, three of which are the most strenuous and you have to at least make Holy communion, you know? All right, cool. So you go to the church to make communion and what they're doing is they're performing, they, they are performing a sacrifice, but without actually sacrificing an animal, you know, so they figured out a way to hack the technology without performing the actual killing. You know what I'm saying? 
Like at least from a magical operative perspective. Yeah. Like two thousand years ago, that was probably a brilliant innovation in religion. Or like, or like, you know what? Maybe somebody was like, maybe we don't actually have to kill animals. Maybe we can come up with something else right. that could that could serve the same purpose or have the same effect. Let's test it out. Let's invent a guy and fucking, <laughs> you know, I don't know. For sure. I don't I have no clue, you know, and I don't mean to, you know, I don't mean to trivialize it, but um but those but that has absolutely crossed my mind. Um and for me to see it be so central to the African traditions that are mm-hmm. free from they're free from like the judeo christian some of them are free from like the judeo christian um morality that goes around that that surrounds like the sacrifice the sacrifice of jesus whereas like sacrifice is kind of like it it you should expect that you're gonna have to fucking sacrifice a few animals to make things right with your ancestors you know so there's something there's something about the technology of 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 sacrifice that we totally. just haven't explored devoid of the Christian context or any other religious context that would taint the purity of seeing what are the first principles at play when sacrifice is done. You know, when there is an authentic sacrifice. And as far as I know, like the Catholic mass is a work of art because it's figured out a way to sort of replicate the same results that it would get if Jesus were a man and he were dying on the cross. And this, like we were saying, his funeral, you know, yeah. like they figured out a way to, to elicit the same response, you know, so. Well, isn't it just a headless right, right? Because it's it? just, it's, it's situated, it's kind of like the headless right, the masses, it serves that same kind of technique, where it's like you are declaring yourself that you are all these things, which makes you worthy of the working that you're about to do. So like the priest, right. literally in the Catholic mass, the priest literally becomes Jesus Christ incarnate for that moment. Right, that's that another sacrament. part, yeah, that's another. So he that's literally another. transfigures himself into that yeah. situation. So like, that's another I, I, underst- I understand why you think it's brilliant because it's like, there's no denying that the Catholic shit is fucking, it's cool, yeah. man. It's got all the shit you need. It's got the robes, it's got the wands, it's got the song. It's tight, <laughs> like it's got the atmosphere. But like, that, I, there, there's just other ways um, but maybe for specific magic contexts, like you need the Catholic mass and. Yeah. I, I, for the very reason that you, for the very reason that you really pointed out, but it's, but it's for the very reason that you pointed out because the second piece, because remember I said it's multifaceted, right? So the second piece is that you get possessed by what the Catholic church calls the Holy ghost before you go and practice that. Right. Just if like you Jesus. put it all, if you put it all together, right? If you put it all together, standard mm-hmm. Hadamaron operation, right? You limit what you eat, you limit who you talk to, you limit your participation in activities that can be viewed as, you know, um, you know, it, it, uh what what is it? Um inappropriate. Okay. Um 
And then on the last three days, like you limit yourself to one meal a day. And at some point you have to go to the church to get, to make communion, you know, which communion is the trans is the transmutation of the blood and the, of right. bread and wine into the blood and body of Jesus Christ, you know, right. and the operator has to eat that. That's a link. So, right. so my assertion is that what's at the heart of Catholicism and what makes it possible, um, what makes it powerful is the priest's ability to get possessed by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Possession is the crown jewel of Catholicism. I would, it would be hard to argue with that, for sure. But it's not framed that way because, you know, there's so much baggage around the concept of possession. You know, but that priest, they put on all of those garbs. They're like God on earth. You know what I mean? They literally and are. And that's what happens to Jesus miracle, in, yeah. in the first chapter of Mark. Yeah, and they perform this miracle on him, right? He gets baptized, the dove descends, yeah. he goes fucking crazy and runs into the desert for seven days. Doesn't talk to anybody, not eating very much, right? Like thinking about being holy the whole time, abstaining from sin. Goes and hangs like, out with yeah, the devil. There's, yeah, there's mm -hmm. like a lot going on. So, and that's why, eh, I, won't fuck, I won't say it. Yeah. I don't need to bring that shit up. Anyway, go ahead. Nah, but that that's it, bro. That, that, that's it. I mean, I mean, so yeah, if you're looking for that authority to work that certain spirit context, then yeah, Catholic math for sure. Yeah, so just okay, like I, if you want to, if you want to work a PGM right, like the headless right would be decent place to start. The headless right is also, if you ask me, it's also a um, it's a right for uh, like not full possession, but I I feel like mm -hmm. if you work it right, if you work it right, and you work it frequently. Yeah. I think I think yeah. full possession is is definitely available. There's a reason. There's a reason Crowley used it for his preliminary invocation to work in Galicia. Mm -hmm. Like that's the first thing he, he called the the bornless right, and that's like if you're working through, I I think it's even the Golden Dawn curriculum, like to work the Galicia to like seeing spirits in the mirror, to all that. The first thing you do is probably like the LBRP and LBRH, but like is the bornless right is the headless right yeah 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 man it's uh this is this is uh this is pretty deep and there you have it there's a joke in there somewhere about three wizards and a baby walk into a bar and eventually they start arguing about the nature of jesus I want to give a quick shout out to Steve Niner, who is my ancestral medicine practitioner. I've mentioned this process a few times on this podcast, and if anyone is interested in these sessions, he can be reached at steveniner at gmail.com, S-T-E-V-E-N-I-N-E-R at gmail.com. And also check out Dr. Daniel Four at ancestralmedicine.com, or find the book Ancestral Medicine, where you buy books. One more thing. I had a problem with the contact page on my website. I wasn't getting any of the messages sent my way there. I think I've got it fixed, but if you sent me something, I probably didn't get it. But if you'd like to share your story on the show, or just with me personally, email me at timjsailor at gmail.com. That's T-I-M-J 
S-A-I-L-O-R at gmail.com. I'd love to have you on to talk about your experience or just hear about the weird shit you have going on as a friendly ear. Thanks for listening, y'all. Until next time, I gotta fly.